Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. The baseball season is winding down, but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season. So you're definitely going to be wanting tickets. If your team's in, con- in, in contention, you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute. You know what? It's Tuesday night. Let's go ahead and go. You jump on SeatGeek. And you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying, as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's 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 kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Welcome to episode 382 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's Wednesday, August 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, welcome back. Here I am. We missed you. How's it going? How was your vacation? It's not a vacation anymore when you have toddlers. It's just... Fair it's point. It's you're more taking like them on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're their keeper, and uh, it's like it's, you, you work for them. I, I ended up... Taking them to some fun places. We took a Jeep tour. We took them to the top of a mountain, scared the crap out of my two-year-old on his chairlift. Uh, the four-year-old loved it. We we fed camels and giraffes and watched. The, okay, this is the most amazing thing that happened. You fed Brandon Belt? <laughs> we, we saw a show, which was called Tiger Splash, that happened in Sedona. And two human beings that decided to do this of their own volition got in the cage with the tigers. No. And proceeded to goad the tigers. This was their job. Their job was, was Miguel to... Cabrera or Jared Saltomachia? <laughs> no, no, like actual Bengali tigers. Oh my god. And proceeded to bu- goad the tigers into chasing them so that they would <sighs> jump into the water and the tigers would jump into the water after them. Oh my god. I was like and and they were like, and we have a third person standing outside the cage for an extra set of eyes. I was like, he's gonna watch closely as these people die. Get mangled. <laughs> He'll have the best eyewitness account of their deaths. <laughs> It'll be great. We'll go to him later. I couldn't believe details. it. I guess the way they explained it was like there's there's sixteen year old tigers and tigers only live to like twelve or thirteen in the wild. And um 
So I guess they're older tigers, and I don't know. So it's Victor Martinez, and and that they right <laughs> Victor Martinez. So and also that like I guess tigers like to play, so they were engaging their play by having these toys. There are toys involved. It's not just the person being like chase me. It was yeah. more like chase get, this toy, get your thing. But but yeah, every time every time one guy jumped in the water, he put his hands up in an X, which suggested to me that that was the signal for the. The, to stop playing, yeah, and that uh, he was scared out of his mind some of the point. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I think it, it makes it even scarier for me the water aspect because well, because yeah, he's all the way underwater. He comes up with his hands in the next and just doesn't know what he's going to see next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm I'm so good on that. Never yeah. happening in my life. <laughs> my my four year old just just jaw dropped. It was oh just my like, god! What am I watching? <laughs> yeah, that's that's so crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Well, you're back talking baseball though, and we got to get your thoughts on a lot of different things. And uh, we'll start with some news from this week so far, or at least some some gameplay action that we need you uh, to kind of analyze. You know, Danny Salazar came back from the DL, lasted all of one inning. In his, in his initial outing, did not look good. Gave up uh, six runs on six hits. And uh, what, excuse me, that was before the injury. The, the return was against the White Sox. I thought it was one inning. I was like, what the heck? Um, three walks, one hit, gave up three runs, but still pitched a bullpen after. So you thought maybe, okay, they don't necessarily think he's re-injured, or at least not to the level where, you know, they're not going to try to work through it here and, and shake some of that rust off. But then comes out in his second start back and gets gets hit up again pretty badly in Oakland. Uh, lasts four innings, but another disastrous first inning. The bottom line was four innings, eight hits, six runs, three more walks, uh, two strikeouts, and a, and a homer. It's looked really bad now, uh, dating back to the two starts before the injury and the two starts after. What's going on with Danny Salazar, and is it actionable in any league right now? Are you, are you, are you making a move away from him? I bought him twice before that start. Oh no! I bought him in Dan Rosenheck's crazy, the, the, you know, five yeah five hundred thousand dollar whatever it was five five hundred dollar entry league, you know, twenty teamer. I sold my Lindor for Odorizzi and Salazar, just uh, and I'm going to replace him with uh, a platoon of Estrubal Cabrera and Matt Duffy at short uh, in an OBP and slugging league. So. I felt like, you know, I am taking a little bit step back in, in offense, but this two really good starters and I'm doing my best and my weakest point and let me get some points there. But uh and then in AL Labor I traded Chris Davis. I'm in first by thirty home runs uh on second place, which is stupid. I should have done something way earlier. But uh, I traded Chris Davis, who's pretty much home runs only. Um and uh Kevin Gaussman for Danny Salazar and uh, Hanley Ramirez, who replaced G-Man Choi. Oh, I, I you, loved, you didn't want to stick with G-Man Choi? I love G-Man. I love that name. I don't, it's I don't so know good. It but, so um, good. yeah, so I, I, I bought him twice, and in each case, I was thinking that I was buying the real Danny Salazar, mostly because when I look at the pitcher injury factors that I use, I didn't see anything. Um, he's got a very consistent uh, release point late in games. Uh, his strike zone percentage was down big before he got hurt. So there was that one game blip where his strike zone percentage was really far down. And that's, that is, you know, a marker for injury, but it's back up to normal 
since he's come back and his, you know, his release point has just been steady. And then I, I tried to like look at, you know, pitching mix. It looks like he's not using his four seam as much, but really that's a long term thing. He's been, you know, working the sinker in more. Um, his release point is fine. His movement on all his pitches. Right before he got injured, the slider lacked some depth. Um, there were some games where the slider wasn't there for him. And that was actually true of his first game back, too. So, you know, there was a little bit of – I was a little bit worried there for that. But then in the last game, he got his regular slider depth back, at least, um, you know, most of it. So, you know, I might wait one more start and see if he can get that slider depth another inch down. That would be more normal. But, it's you know, in terms of movement, velocity, uh, pitching mix, release points, zone percentage – there's nothing that's really there. And I know it was such a great start. You think Oakland, um, you know, this is the start for him. But In Oakland. Yeah, but, you know, they're a patient team, and he's a wild guy. So maybe they just, uh, you know, they just spotted something and, 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 and hit him well. He, it's not like Danny Salazar doesn't have games like this. You exactly. Know? That, that, so. And that's fair, too. But, you know, mixed in with the, the recent events, I think it's it's particularly – frightening for some with regards to Danny Salazar because you know as you mentioned there there was a, a blip right before the injury as well but you know the velocity's there uh, we're still clocking we're still clocking him at 95 in both starts uh, back from the need, DL which is higher than he'd been in a month yeah and if you need strikeouts and wins uh from your starting pitcher you know it's you're not going to you're not going to get that without punching a hole in your boat somewhere else so unless you're, not, you're, kind of, you're huh? not that worried about it, uh, it re-injury here uh you know it's the point of the season where you take your shots you know yeah and I'm, I'm not at all today. upset that i took those shots because in both those leagues i'm like basically uh fifth you know and uh in order for me to get anywhere something good really good needs to happen and that could be Danny Salazar down the stretch because he pitches in a great park, he has tons of strikeouts, and his team is on fire and is a yeah. great team. And when he's on, he, he's absolutely electric. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw that for most of this year. I understand some of the concerns that people are having, but uh, I'm encouraged. Definitely by... not. I mean, there's no league where I'm dropping him. Yeah, uh, you can. know, the shallower the league, maybe I don't try to acquire him. But, you know, in these leagues that I was talking about, one was a 12-team AL only and one was a 20-team, um, you know, those kinds of leagues, it's really hard to acquire someone that could pitch like an ace. Exactly, at, at, without paying an exorbitant price. And so to get, to get Danny Salazar at something of a discount, it's worth the shot. I totally get that. I totally yeah. get that. Um, on the other end, you know, a guy we talked about a while ago got off to a really good start, but then ran into Baltimore. In Baltimore, you figure, you know, we'll give him a break for that. But then was crushed again is Joe Musgrove, who you also recently wrote wrote about and expounded upon his his weird one seam sinker. You actually hit on this a bit when we first discussed him uh, prior to his call up or right, right at his call up, and you know, got again got off to a good start. Had that relief appearance when Lance McCullers got hurt. Did really well against Toronto in Toronto, then had a had a good start. I can't remember exactly who it was against his first official start. But then these last two, uh, he's really been he's really been knocked around. Rookie hiccups or or something that says that he's not really gonna be able to stick and and do damage down the uh, or, or do positive damage to your uh uh deficits there. 
down the stretch? What do you think of Joe Musgrove after seeing 27 and two-thirds? He's turned into a guy that's droppable for me in mixed leagues depending on the schedule. I mean, he's pitching for the Houston Astros, not a good home park in the American League. He's going to have some bad matchups. I would never have pitched him against Toronto. Um, you know, and there's, so there's you don't even matchups. get the good start. That, that's I know. The, that's the tough part. Yeah, I think I think he's he's hard to use right now. What I see in him is uh, some decent stuff, some deception that comes from that one seam sinker. It's a weird a weird pitch. Also, he has a frisbee slider that is almost a little bit like a Corey Kluber slider. It's just really sideways. So, uh, you know, he has some really interesting stuff. I think he'll stick around. Really good command. What he needs to do, probably for me, is give up some more walks and fewer homers. And um, you know that's a decision that that does kind of happen. You know, if you're yeah. you can be too much in the zone. What's up, Michael? And, and I, I think for him, you know, staying, you know, nibbling a little bit more. I think that might be his next adjustment. I don't know when that adjustment is going to happen, especially since he, for his minor league career, had like a one walk per nine. Yeah, it was so it was so great. But yeah. being in the zone that much in the majors can be problematic if you don't. I mean, you don't have completely overwhelming stuff. He's got he's got a good fastball, solid fastball. We talked about it, um, and and solid solid off speed stuff. But I don't know that enough to live in the zone against major league hitters that often, um, and never never give in. Like always say, fine, I'll just I'll just challenge you. Maybe walk a few guys and trust that you can get out of the next one. Live to fight another day because yeah, one point six homers per nine right now. It's great. It's great that he only has three walks, but five homers. So you got yeah. more, more homers than walks. Yeah. You got to change it a little bit. It, like I said, a little bit Michael Pineda esque in in that. Yeah, realm. and it's something that came up recently where uh, Ryan Bookter said, you know, he's he's not in the minors, but he's been doing really well as a as a pitcher for the um, a reliever for the Padres. He told me that like, you know, I never give in. Why give in? I can go get the next guy. I'll, I'll throw a fastball. They'll see fastball. I'll throw a fastball, but it won't be in the zone with three with three balls. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll get a strikeout anyway on a full count. You know, with them reaching for that fastball because everyone's trying to trying to hit a fastball. But why why put it in the zone where they're ready for it and can hit it for a homer? So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Musgrove needs to learn that lesson. You know, those guys like David Phelps. David Phelps has one of the sweetest schedules coming up. I mean, it's like Atlanta. Uh, New York and New York and Philly. Oh wow! It's, it's just a really yeah. nice schedule. I think you know one and two of those are at home. I mean, it's, I'd rather have David Phelps right now in a second. You know, if it gets to be a deeper league, maybe I try to manage uh, Musgrove. But like like you said, you know, I wouldn't have started him <clears throat> if we play the you know would, when would you start him game. I wouldn't have started him um, in Toronto. I'd have lost that. I wouldn't have started him in Baltimore. I would have lost an eight earned run. Uh, masterpiece there. Would you have started him against Texas at home, his first start? Probably not. Yeah, and so probably I mean... not Toronto than the first start. So Pittsburgh would have been the only start if I was trying to be conservative. Pittsburgh would have been the only start I would have tried. So I would have had two strikeouts and four innings with five earned runs for my for my trouble. <laughs> yeah, because the 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 first Toronto appearance was the four and a third for McCullers. Okay, and. I think I would have started him after that uh, against Texas for the first start because it yeah. was so good in that first thing. I mean, I, and, and a mix. Pitchers are course. better at home, so. But then you're not starting him at Toronto, like you said, not at Baltimore, so you avoid that one, but definitely at Pittsburgh, and he got crushed. The, the bottom line is 
kind of regardless of, of how you've been managing it, if you've been managing it, you probably didn't even get the best, uh, too much of the best of what Musgrove's done. And you definitely took some of the worst uh, right on the chin yesterday. And I think I agree, mixed leagues, it's, it's, it's tough to still make a case for him. He is going to be kind of up and down when teams are, are not hitting him in the zone. He's going to have great outings. He's not going to walk anybody. going to get strikeouts. But if he gets behind, uh, Joe Musgrove can be in trouble because he's going to give that pitch that, uh, that 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 they know they can hit if they get to three balls because he's, he doesn't want to walk guys and then he can crush it. So um, yeah, after not giving up a homer in his first eleven and a third innings, he's given up five uh, yeah. in, in these in these last sixteen. So that that's been the damage right now for. Joe I don't Lester. know, you know, like this, you know, there's a certain depth of the league where Phelps isn't there anymore, and you're looking at Chad Green, and you know, as a, just an example that I, I recently wrote about. And Chad Green has got Baltimore twice coming up. I think that's I think that's what I saw on the schedule. That's and I think that that's just difficult because Chad Green does you know he doesn't really trust his changeup, and I don't know that he's Shane Green, but you know I see a cutter slider fastball guy. And, Jason and I talked about that and made. I mean, it, it's hard not to make the same comparison, right? And I feel I feel like I've been burned on this one before. Shane Green did get hurt though. Yeah, I think we have a reason for why he fell off, and he maybe you know, and, and this new green at, at sitting ninety four five is, you know, that's that's a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you wrote you wrote about Chad Green. We'll actually get him to him a little bit deeper when we talk about the mailbag section that you had. Um, Carlos Rodon's having another kind of sneaky under the radar, not not amazing second half. That's probably why it's not uh, you know being overwhelmingly discussed but when you kind of look at his bottom line right now Carlos Rodon's having another solid season bottom line like for for a 23 year old in his second season it's not bad it's not super fantasy viable but I I can definitely get behind a 402 ERA now the whip's still high hasn't really made improvements there but But really really cut the walks schedule's decent and yeah I I feel like he's he's a guy he could close Minnesota He's got Seattle, Minnesota, and then uh, maybe Detroit. So, yeah, I feel like he could, he could close big. Yeah, the way he kind of did last year. Now, if you look at his August so far for for Carlos Rodon, one forty six ERA. You know, honestly, if you if you kind of stretch it back to June twelfth, he's got a three sixty two ERA, which doesn't sound great, but two bad starts in July that kind of uh, sandwiched his was it DL stint. I forget what it was for. Um, so if you, if you figure maybe he was hurt going into that one and then a little bit rusty coming back other, other than that, he's got seven quality starts and, and seems to go kind of six and two quite a bit. He went six and two thirds scoreless against Philly the other night, not huge strikeout totals. I think probably part of the concerted effort to cut the walks, but even though it's, it's a little wonky, he's given up more homers and more hits probably as a, as a you know counterbalance to getting the fewer walks. At least he's addressing that big hole in his, uh, in his game here. What do you eventually see from Carlos Rodon down the road? Is this a guy that you're looking at these first two years thinking, I want to invest in this? Or is it more of a stagnant stock for you right now? I really like that the changeup usage is up, you know? The changeup has really great movement, and mm-hmm. if he just can get ahead enough, that can be a strikeout pitch for him against lefties. And he still throws. I mean, Carlos Rodon brings it ninety three, ninety five from the left. Yeah, I mean, it was it was down for a little bit, 
but uh, you know it's back up and you know for his career change up 14% whiffs that's right on average and against lefties uh, you know against righties sorry um, that jumps a little bit to uh, nearly 15% it doesn't give up a lot of home runs or line drives so um, you know I think it's a good pitch the only problem is it, it has a lot of movement it's a little bit like Lance for colors where he's just got this change up with a lot of drop and he can't necessarily uh, command it so well. So, um, but uh, if he can get ahead, then that's the that's the real ticket. And he's he's done some little you know finagling with um, his uh, you know his release point and stuff. And um, you know I think he's uh, he's still trying to find it. You know, you know in terms of um, well, that's weird. I was pretty sure he moved his release point. Oh, that's horizontal pitch location. <laughs> You're like wait a minute. Uh, yeah, he's still he's still moving. He's still inching around on that rubber a little bit. Actually, ba- sort of a little bit back to where he was before. So he's still trying to find himself. And I think that's part of why he's better in the second half. We never believe in in, in seasonal splits like that. But um, you know, command is one of those things that gets better as you age. And if you look at you know, I just talked to Trevor Bauer about this, and he said, you know, I, I overhauled my delivery, t- you know, two or three years ago, and so I'm only now sort of settling in to that to that delivery and really you know feeling comfortable in it so i think if you if you look at carlos rodon over the season you you see him you know getting more comfortable and should be able to to cut that command so really long term i think you know i'm not sure i want it to own him but like the next three four years i think you know yeah. that might, he has like cy young stuff there could be a, a, a year in there where i think you we know, could see a big spike like yeah i, I like that he he Makes adjustments. Carlos Rodon seems to always be working uh, at, at his craft, and I, I don't know. I kind of like that. Don't just rest on the fact that you do have good stuff. He he could stick as a you know fourth fifth starter for ten years doing nothing else to like just doing what he's doing right now with that stuff. But the fact is, the that stuff can be so much more with tweaks, and I think Carlos Rodon's going for them, and we'll see if he's able to get it done. Last one here before we dive into that mailbag piece. Uh, Anibal Sanchez has a 409 ERA in his last 44 innings uh, since the All-Star break. But if you look, there's one really ugly start that stands out. Eight earned in four innings. He's got a 270 ERA in the other 40 innings. So he's really been pitching well for the Tigers. And, uh, you know, it's it's about damn time, to be honest. He's been (laughs) so good. That you know, he looked like a really reliable piece last year. Home runs just absolutely ravaged him, and that's been that's been the case again this year. No surprise then that he gave up four homers in that uh, eight run outing at Texas. But other than that, for the rest of the uh, second half here, only three homers in those forty innings. So keeping the ball in the park has been instrumental in, in getting him back on track. But do you see anything behind that? Uh, that's a result as more than a skill. What are you seeing with Anibal Sanchez, someone that can be trusted down the line? Because I still think that his his bottom line numbers are ugly enough that he's going to be available. You know, he got a 5.83 ERA for the season. He's still going to be available in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I picked him up. I picked him up in a couple of leagues. You know, again, probably the deeper leagues, but we know that he has the talent to be, you know, viable in all leagues. Mm-hmm. And he's not that far from it. I mean, yeah, last year was not great, but you know, 2014, he would have you could start him in every league, and uh, so you know, I I don't like that he only had two strikeouts in his last game, but 
you know, for the most part, the strikeouts have been up. I mean, that's the, I think that's the big, the sort of noticeable part. You know, a couple ten strikeout games, that eight strikeout game, um, and you know, really one of the simpler ways to look at baseball is just the strikeouts minus walks thing, and he's been a lot better there. You know, the the walks have been steadily trending down since the beginning of the season. Um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was an injury there. You oh, know? he's seems to be always nursing an injury, and that was the, that was the problem last year too. Is I think that. He had nagging stuff. He hit at least one DL stint, maybe two. And Anibal Sanchez is a guy, remember, when his career kind of got started, injuries really held him back. And then he finally kind of showed um, at age 26 a, a measure of durability, 195, 196, 195, where his innings counts for three years there, the last of which was the uh, trade over to Detroit in the middle of the season, then 182 the year after that, but then 126, 157 these last two years. So the injuries have kind of crept back up. For um, for Anibal Sanchez, and that's been a little bit of of, of an issue. But uh, pitching healthy he had, right he now, had, he had labrum labrum surgery, so sort of that 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 uh, that you know career killer. So uh, I'm happy for what he's done, and I think you know against LA uh, next against Anaheim next, and KC uh, after that, I'm buying. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with I'd you. take him over. You know, there's there's a league. There's a guy for you. Musgrove. Drop Musgrove for Sanchez right now. I, I fully agree. Fully agree. Watch, watching him through these starts, uh, it's not 100% the, the vintage Sanchez of a couple of years ago, but it's 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 pretty darn good. And if anything, it's closer to the uh, 2014 version, which was still really sharp with a 3.43 ERA and, and 110 WHIP. You know, his, his he's one of these guys. You know, his he doesn't have a bad fastball. He's sort of a rising, uh, a rising, you know, fastball, and then a, a sinker that he uses. Um, you know, maybe the sinker isn't so good. Uh, maybe that's been, you know, it doesn't get ground balls for one. It gets thirty percent ground balls. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you know. But as you get older, people get on your four seams. So you just have to throw something with a wrinkle. Um, you know, at times. So I, I'm sure that's why I did it. But he's one of those guys that has. He's sort of legendary. You know, uh, Arsenal pitch Arsenal guy because he has a like an elite changeup, a plus slider, um, and a good cutter. And um, <clears throat> well, the curve hasn't been great recently, but uh, you know, he, he he trusts you know five pitches basically, mm-hmm. six pitches. So um, you know, he's and, he's and another guy, a little who, bit of a kitchen sink guy. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that. Never mind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Anibal Sanchez, someone who could really help you down the stretch. Didn't think we'd be saying that at all, um, and Eno said it too. So it's not just the Tigers fan leading you guys into the Tiger pool. So, <laughs> You're right, Tiger splash. You like that? That's called we call that a call. <laughs> Bring it all together. All right, Eno. Let's uh, let's dive in on this uh, this recent piece you did here, a little mailbag, a little, little potpourri, if you will, which I like. You know, it's we're obviously in the dog days here for sure. So maybe coming up with one main topic. You know what? I was on vacation. I got to get to a handful of different things here. And you, yeah. already, you actually already talked about, you mentioned David Phelps and Chad Green, two guys that you talked about in the piece. Um, I don't want to dive back in too much on Green. You just said you think he's better version of Shane Green or, or worse? Because you said, I don't, well, I don't want to get too hung up on Green. The and weird thing is that Shane Green had that curve. So Yeah. Um, and that's something Chad Green doesn't even have. But Chad Green throws a splitter and – you know, maybe it just requires him to sort of believe in it. You remember Eovaldi threw a splitter off and on and, you know, kind of, it was, you know. It was working. With it. But it was, even when he was, was working, he didn't, you know, he only threw a 10% yeah, for a while. that was weird. 
Yeah. I wonder if it was a situation where he just couldn't get to it because the fastball just gets beaten so badly. With yeah, Uvaldi. so there's a, like I guess I guess I I like split fingers enough where I can say okay maybe I'll take Chad Green more velocity uh, split finger that that could be good. Um, He's a big fringe but five. I, guy. I just don't like yeah I just don't like you know uh, Baltimore twice. It's just yeah it's not a good time to pick him up. Feltz you know has that better lineup. And then the other the other pitcher I wanted I touched on was um, Jeff Hoffman just you know starting out so so terribly but I just wanted to point out that it was in Coors and his best pitch is a curveball so um, we y'all you know you you guys listen here so you know that what Coors does to curveball so he gets back to back road starts right yeah and uh, and by spin rate he was already actually I think you know you know I had to play around with the minimums i basically had to use no minimums because he's only pitched one game but like if his had been a, in a higher like if he'd thrown it more uh he would, i think he was like sort of top five top ten spin rate for curveballs so um you know there's some you know curveballs been thrown once that are probably mistakes in the in the system so sure sure uh i, I have real hope for his, his his curveball and his fastball was decent spin at 95 miles an hour so uh, that that alone is a, is like a kind of like a young Rich Hill type situation. Um, Does it come complete and, with a blister? The Rich Hill starter kit. Woohoo! Hey, he's hey, now. Stop me if you heard this one before. He's going to pitch for the Dodgers today. Rich Hill What's is. That? Yes, yes, yes. But yes. but again, I feel like he's been penciled in. On the also, schedule for them like seventeen times already. He's gonna walk off the mound looking at his finger. Yeah, how many pitches? Over under pitches for Rich Hill right now. Yeah, I would say hundred tops. I'd probably thirty-eight. I, 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 I think it's going to bust open again. I'm I'm being negative. I'm being a negative Nancy about it. Um, I'm looking now. It's not back to back road starts. It's only just the one. Um, Hoffman goes to Washington on Friday, but then he's right back home. But I, I just like before we decide to drop him in all leagues, I'd like to see what the movement and velocity and, and swing oh, absolutely is. no, no, I, I, I'm more apt to try to hang on to him um, to try to pluck off those those road starts because mm-hmm. they could be so high quality, and maybe we get lucky with some some decent work at home. We've seen a few guys, Tyler Anderson, John Gray, in spurts find some success in Coors. The problem is you just never know when to trust it. Like the worst team, you know, San Diego could come in, Atlanta could come into Coors, and you still don't think, well, I can just automatically trust it because it's a bad team. You can still get murdered, and you have to be careful. (laughs) You have to be very, very careful. Um, Keon Broxton is smashing. What are you seeing out of him? He's smashing the ball, too. Uh, you did a compare. You talked about comparing he and Travis Jankowski, and that's probably because both are, have been stolen base mavens. But the fact is, Broxton's ripping the ball too. Is there anything sustainable sustainable there, or is he is it is it a little bit of a run hot? Well, one thing I I think people need to realize is that even though Keon Broxton leads the league in exit velocity. With uh, with at least thirty bat- batted balls, mm-hmm. and he's right there with Nelson Cruz and Giancarlo Stanton, and of course everyone's favorite slugger Matt Holiday. <laughs> and uh, but you know, d- jokes aside, Domingo Santana, Mark Trumbo, and Domingo Santana. Here we go, Domingo Santana, Keon Broxton. Here's the thing: both those guys hit too many grounders. 
So, you know, a 94-mile-an-hour grounder, you know, especially that's probably a pull grounder. Yeah. 94-mile-an-hour pull grounder is an out. So. Unless it's, yeah, perfectly through the, the, the right spot, you're 100%. That, that is a missed factor sometimes, right, when we talk about these exit blocks. It's great data, but then you got to see the batted ball. Like, are they, are they getting the loft on it? Are they hitting line drives? And, you know, you see ground ball rates. That's something that Christian Yelich was dealing with a lot prior to this year um, where he's finally getting a little bit of loft was, yeah, he smoked the ball and he's, everyone knows he's a really good hitter, but where the home runs going to come from, if he keeps putting the ball on the ground at a 61, 63% clip, it's down to 57 this year and voila, there's some more homers for, uh, for Yelich. Broxton isn't quite that obscene, but to maximize the, 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 the um, hard hit rate that he does have, We'd like to see a little bit more loft, but lately we have five bombs uh, in like the last thirty games or whatever. Tons of steals. Um, you trusting him in every league just because the steals are there? Um, no, no, because Still he's also selective. you know thirty five percent strikeout rate. Thirty seven. Get it right. Jesus. <laughs> so fifteen percent you know. walk rate. He bet you know he's going Jock Peterson on us. Yeah, I mean, he could get on base to take that stolen base. And maybe in on-base percentage leagues, I like him a little bit more. But, you know, strikeouts still take away from on-base percentage. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, back to that launch angle thing real quick. Uh, it's not terrible, but he's right there with Jose Reyes, uh, Jonathan Nucroy, Andrew McCutcheon, Alex Gordon. You know, you know, Marcus Simeon is down there. And uh, so there is something about how you distribute your average. and You know, no one's, like, right around an average all the time. But... Still, he's right there with guys who are more like, you know, maybe 10 to 12 homer hitters. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, if, if he hit 10 homers and managed to have like a 320 Babbitt uh, because he's hitting the ball so hard and stole your 30 bases, then, you know, he'd probably be worth it. But I think he's going to hit 230. So I think, you know, he's probably worth it in deeper leagues than people are, are reaching for him. And on the other hand, Travis Jankowski has like a 6% swing strike rate, you know, and, you know, has, has been good at, you know, being patient and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I see Jankowski is hitting for a better average going forward, 260 or so. Those 30 points are probably worth more than the, you know, 6-7. You know, going forward, it's not even 6-7. So, you know, th- those 30 points of batting average are probably worth more than the four or five homers going forward. Especially and, with power sorry. being so much more plentiful this, this yeah. year. Yeah, so just if it's if you're looking for steals, then Jankowski's my man. If you're looking for production uh, in all categories, I could maybe Broxton noses ahead. I mean, he's certainly hitting the snot out of the ball, but um, I think mostly people are looking at these guys for steals, and so I'd rather have Jankowski. Okay, I think that's completely fair. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad we, we're going to talk about him because if I save this topic of discussion with Jason, it would be pretty. We'd be there'd be a lot of crying because of how badly <laughs> this guy's making both of us look. We have obliterated Mike Zunino regularly <laughs> in the past, and you know what? You and I touched on this a little while ago, and you let us off the hook. You said, "Oh, it's you know, forty, whatever it was." He'd hit like five homers in his first fifty plate appearances or whatever. We said, oh, "Okay." it's it's just it's just forty plate appearances, fifty plate appearances. He's at least doubled that. It's still only ninety four against the one thousand of awfulness, but it's such a stark difference from what he used to do. Nine homers already, two seventy three, three ninety four, six eighty eight in those ninety four plate appearances for Mike Zunino. 
are there real bankable changes here? Because if it does, I mean, he really helps lengthen the catcher pool. He and Gary Sanchez really busting out here in the second half. Are we finally seeing some bankability here out of a 25-year-old Mike Zunino, or is this just, uh, um, uh, again, a, a really hot streak? I think the power is a hot streak. I mean, he always had power, and, you know, on that um... – on that, actually, I have that uh, the angle thing up. It's pretty funny. Uh, it goes Brian Schimpf, number one. Uh, Jet Bandy. I mean, this could be a leaderboard of best names. Uh, Ryan Schimpf, Jet Bandy, <laughs> uh, Jared Saltalamacchia, uh, Mike Zanino. That is a pretty good group of names right there. So he's he's hitting that. And then right after that's Moss, uh, some, other, some other power hitters. He's hitting that ball straight up in the air. That that you know that that could be a bad thing in terms of uh, of uh, you know having too many pop ups in there. Um, and let me scroll down and see if that's been a problem. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a pop up guy. Yes, he is definitely a pop up guy. So that's gonna that's gonna come out of his BABIP. So if you're you're regressing his BABIP, that's why his BABIP going forward is only like two seventy. Not only does he get the catcher penalty, catcher's BABIP is around two eighty for some reason. Um, then he he also gets the pop up penalty, and um, you know, in terms of hitting the ball hard, he hit the ball hard, but you know, a four sixteen ISO is just ridiculous. So, you know, I take the over on his projected uh, power projections because he's had a two hundred ISO at every stop in the minor league. So, I don't know why you know, and is now kind of showing that same talent that he showed in the minor league. So, I, I believe in a two hundred ISO, and. Uh, I think that you put it all together, he's definitely swinging less. He's definitely swinging at better breaking balls. He's changed his mechanics a little bit, read up on uh, the way he's, he's not striding forward as much. Now he's just uh, putting, picking his foot up and putting it back down, and that's allowing him to stay back more and uh, cover the outside part of the plate better. So that's led to slightly better swinging strike rate. So there's some adjustments there. Uh, I was probably too quick to look past those adjustments. Um, just because, you know, he had, you know, different stops in the minor leagues, he's had 20% strikeout rates. Mm-hmm. So I just saw that and said, well, you know, he's had these, these strikeout rates before. But if you look at the big sample minor league times, uh, that's more like AAA, 29% strikeout rate. Um, and uh, then AAA this year, 21%. So that looks like a, a big enough change where I can say, all right, he's, he's you know, but he's also over his head. So he's still over his head, but I would say going forward, I'd project him more for like two thirty, uh, maybe three ten, three twenty on base percentage, um, and uh, like a four forty slugging. Yeah, it's, it's not bad for a catcher. That's the thing. Like a second catcher or an OBP catcher, you know, it's really not bad. Yeah, catcher catcher has been such a nightmare too, as we've highlighted repeatedly. Yeah. And, and the guy you kind kind of talked with him. Uh, on the, on the other side there was Sandy Leone, but uh, you showed a damaging picture of, of, of his exit velocity that is just cratering lately. Does that mean that we're we're about done here with the uh, Sandy Leone project? Well, just also there's no there's none of those adjustments. Not I mean maybe there's a mechanical adjustment that someone's written about that I missed, but in terms of his component stats, there's no like oh that adjustment led to this. It's just you know it really just looks like a lucky streak for me. Okay. He's always had a, a low strikeout. He's always had a low swing strike rate, and yet an average uh, strikeout rate. And 
you know, I did one of the things I noticed was he's swinging less, which you could be like, yay, he's swinging less. Uh, he's reaching more, so he's swinging less at pitches inside the zone. So that's not good. That's, that's pretty interesting. And also, you know, he's 27 going on 28, and Zanino's 25. So right there is already a difference in terms of like how you'd project them going forward first mm-hmm. and uh, and things like that. Zips, um, Zips, and the projection systems like his on base percentage um, and and batting average better. And so he's projected for an eighty nine uh, WRC plus going forward. Um, but Zanino is projected for you know, 90, 93, and that's without sort of adding in the, you know, he's changed stuff, you know? So, uh, yeah, I like, I like, uh, I like Zeno better. I think Leon's, look at his ISOs just up and down, or there, there's a lot of point oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of point oh in him. You, you don't so, want that. You don't yeah. want that. So yeah. I even think that the point one thirty and one twenty five ISOs that are projected for him are a little bit high, so... I think we're talking about a guy who might be able to hit, uh, you know, 250 with a 310 OBP uh, with no power. Cool. I mean, why? Yeah, just go get get lose those 10 points of batting average and get the power. So yeah, exactly, exactly. So I I just uh, I just traded uh, Leon for Betances in my score sheet league, um, in uh, our score sheet league. Sign me up for that. I I went 0 and 7 officially, ending my season. Uh, for the week and and best best part went zero and seven in my NL league too. Literally ended my season in both leagues in one week. Sweet sweet life. Yeah um, yeah, and I think I went seven and zero. Hey, so good man. Uh, I, I never really thought I had a chance in our AL league. My team was pretty fringy, but they'd been they'd been doing some things. So I was kind of hanging in there, and I'm like, you know what? Okay, if we get hot, we make the playoffs, and all of a sudden we wreck Eno's face. And <laughs> we're in the, the end of it. <laughs> exactly. But you just ended up kind of taking off there, and uh, it, it, it didn't work out that way. So I got I got work to do. No big deal. I'm basically I'm like the Indians rotation with the Blue Jays offense. That's a good combination to have. <laughs> yeah, just to allow me to brag for a second. Yes, I was going to uh, say, that is a hell of a My rotation pairing. is Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, Straley, uh, and either Graveman or Sanchez right now. It is AL only, guys, but for those of you that don't play score sheet, uh, you Straley, can have – there, There's these cutoff times that allow you to have uh, crossover players, just so you know. And then my, my offense is built on Donaldson and Encarnacion and Altuve. Uh, and Nelson Cruz and Russ Martin, so it really is kind of like Blue Jays offense plus uh, plus Indians rotation. So I guess my 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 bullpen is my weakness because I don't really invest in it. But so I'm going to trade for Batansis. He's going to be uh, my closer, and that's going to push Dyson and Dull mm-hmm. uh, and Boxberger and Duke back a little bit, and uh, you know push uh, maybe Erasmo off the team or your team's uh, lit, dude. That's a good yeah, team. Team. Well, I hope you win. I might mic drop on this on this one because it's seventy dollars a year. So, right? <laughs> just, just, just win and then we'll, see ya. See ya. It's fun though. Score sheet is a lot of fun. I will say that. I love sure. getting those box scores, man. Yeah, the reading the box scores is is a lot of fun. That's my team. <laughs> you know, let's uh, let's finish with this simple question: Wither, Rake, Lamb. What's going uh, on? You know, I, there's definitely the league adjusting to him a little bit. 
they're they're pitching him out over the plate and he's swinging at it. Um, I think that's been a big part of what's what's. Uh, it's not his wheelhouse. His wheelhouse is uh, middle in and up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so they they've adjusted to him. Um, and that's uh, it's a little unfortunate. The second half, uh, he's uh, it's not been good. Let's see what the second half. 192, 258, 350. It's really been a problem. And, you know, you can see a little bit in uh, his ground ball splits. They're getting him to reach. He's got a 53% ground ball rate in the second half. It was 46 in the first half. And uh, so he's uh, and, and he's popping the ball up. So, you know, he's a little bit of a mess right now. But one thing I like is the exit velocity is still there. And uh, it's it's always been there. I think his, his uh, adjustments are... Are, are keeping are, are are staying in there so okay. the, the real question is you know can he adjust again and now that he's already shown like maybe basically two big adjustments in his career i feel a lot better about the third one you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely I feel, I feel so much better about uh rake lamb this after this year obviously the, the numbers are there too but it's not just the numbers it's what's behind them that even even a downturn like this you're like okay that, that kind of makes sense it, it, you you probably shouldn't have been the NL slugging leader for the season, so I'm I'm okay with a little bit of uh, fallback here. I mean, you look at the year he has right now, and if it ended with 24 yeah. homers, 77 ribbies, five stolen bases, and a 262 average, I mean, who wouldn't have gone? I'm not, and I'm not crazy. calling it a failure if he gets to 28 instead of 30, I, but I do think he can get to 30 home runs. Uh, you know, on a better team, he would have you know 100 RBI. Oh, he yeah. still has to iron out, you know, a little bit of that work against lefties. But, you know, from here on out, they're just probably going to leave him in against lefties and, and try and they to. Should that that yeah. is a good that would be a good use of being a last place <laughs> team right now. Yeah, <laughs> let that let that happen. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna look bad and it's gonna weigh down it, his overall numbers. But who cares? He's never gonna learn otherwise. I'd be more worried if if his uh, career like was starting with this season. You know. Then oh you, yeah. Then you're like, oh, this guy came out and he hit 20 home runs, and then uh, you know the league adjusted on him, and and he just you know got lost. No, uh, this is a guy who who came up, struggled big time, you know, made some adjustments, was a little bit better, made some adjustments, was a lot better. So uh, there's a couple couple times he's changed, and that that makes me think he can do it again. I mean, it's just as simple as you know deciding not to swing at those pitches out over the plate, and you know maybe taking a strikeout or 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 deciding, you know, one thing that Paul Konerko told me was, uh, I go oppo enough to get the inside pitch. Oh. And, you know, someone needs to send him that quote where he's like, okay, uh, you know, especially with two strikes, um, you know, I'm just going to try and go oppo. And, uh, and if yeah. I do that enough, then people will say, uh-oh, he's got power to all fields. Co- coax them to bring it into where you want by doing a little bit of something else. Yeah. All right, you know, well, you got hoops and a haircut today. It's a heck of a Wednesday oh, lined yeah. up for you. So hopefully you dominate on the on the basketball court. Good luck getting getting a haircut there. Uh, oh, come come to. Uh, I mean, guess I'll, we'll we'll be doing this again on Friday. But just a just a heads up for anybody in the Bay Area. I'm going to be at the Independent um, in San Francisco with Jonah Carey. Um, uh, what's his name? John Miller. Oh, and that other guy nobody knows, Bobby Evans, the GM of the Giants, uh, Grant Brisby, uh, Ray Ratto, noted nincompoop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's a, it's going to be a great, 
real fun thing. Uh, Q and A's and panels and um, and of course awesome. there'll be beer and um, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some sort of like off the record stuff that uh, that uh, people will have fun with and just some good stories. Um, that a lot sounds of fun. great. Those baseball yeah. minds. There's no doubt somewhere in that group you've got three, four guys that you like. So that should be a exactly. lot of fun. Again, you can get into more details on it on Friday. When is it again? When's when's it actually happening? It's on. It's, it's next uh, Monday, August next 29th Monday. at the Independent. Okay. You can look at uh, PitchTalksBaseball.com or oh, on it's a Pitch Twitter. Talks. Awesome. Yeah, it's Pitch Talks or on Twitter at Pitch Talks. They're talking about it. And and uh, uh, in our in our main bar on Fangraphs under Events. It's listed there with the uh, San Francisco, and then there's one in Chicago as well. So take a look at that. You know, I'll let uh, you go. Go check out uh, the, the Trevor Bauer video I just put up of how to throw a sinker. Um, Will it teach thing, me how to throw a sinker? Uh, if you have one, it'll teach you how to do it better. Who's to say I don't have one? Well, maybe you do. I mean, you play. I, mean, uh, I play softball. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a sinker. I'm 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 throwing change ups and hooks. They're like, Paul, it's underhand so- nah, nah. Throw it out throw <laughs> it on the signs, catcher. Throw it on the signs. Everything's kind of a rise ball. Well yeah, exactly. Exactly. And... All right, well, um I wish I could make that pitch talk. That seems like it would be a lot of fun. I love I love Jonah Carey and Eno Saris. Those are two of my favorite you a, people. You got a piece coming up? I do. Ivan Nova. I'm seeing. I'm, I'm diving ooh, in to stuff. see if he's being searaged. Uh, you know, the, the first couple of starts, they, they were kind of just moving along a little bit. You weren't seeing the results, but then a nice complete game yesterday. Just trying to dive in on on exactly what the differences might be. This is a talented pitcher in a much better environment. They love Yankees, for lack of a better word, trash, because they seem to always get it at a discounted price. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I'm going to be diving in on that. Look for that going up. And then, then we're both chatting tomorrow, right? Yes, so we're chatting tomorrow. And, then, uh, and, and thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on Friday.